I want to share with you guys about one of the most important aspects of the Christian life, coming together with other believers for fellowship. I want to discuss what this means, what it includes, and why it's so important. So first is that fellowship means worshiping together. It means coming together to put God in his rightful place in our life, for us to worship and adore our Father and Creator, singing songs to him, praying to him, reading the Bible together. Of course, these are things that we can do to individually, but something special happens when we do these things together. Jesus himself said in Matthew 18, where two or three are gathered in my name, I will be with them. So Jesus has promised that when we come together to worship God, that, the pres- that his own presence will be with us in that moment. So we need to take time out of our life and make this a priority to come together to worship God as often as possible. The second aspect I want to discuss is that fellowship means serving God together. We need to come together for the, to, to, to fulfill the Great Commission, to do evangelism, to do discipleship, to help those in need. Uh, all of the aspects of serving God are better when we do them together. Scripture says in Ecclesiastes, two are better than one because they have a better return for their work. For if one falls, their fellow will lift them up. But woe to them who are alone when they fall and have no one to lift them up. So again, when we're within the body of Christ, we all have unique abilities. We have unique strengths and we're able to see things in a different way. So when we're all working together in unity and harmony, everything works much better than if we ever were just working on our own. That's why God gives us all unique abilities and unique strengths so that we can come together to serve him much better. And even when Jesus was sending out his apostles, he always sent them out two by two to do work. He didn't send them alone because even when you send someone alone, it's easy for them to get discouraged, to get distracted, or to maybe just do things wrong. But when you send people in groups, they're able to work more effectively, more efficiently, and able to correct each other and keep each other encouraged, focused, and on task. The third aspect I want to talk about today with fellowship is that fellowship means enjoying life together. It just means doing fun things, having enjoyment, and just enjoying the good things of life together. Now, we know uh, that when, when we have people with different uh, different perspectives, do we know that diversity, uh, different perspectives multiply our joy. Now, this can happen in two ways. So first, even if there's something that we've never done before, if we know someone who's maybe from a a different culture, different background, different experiences, when we hear from them the things that they enjoy, uh, they can show us and introduce us to things that we would have never experienced on our own. So even having people from different backgrounds, different perspectives can help us to try something new that we wouldn't have done on our own, but now we have something that we can enjoy because a friend has shown us that thing. And we can also get a new perspective on something that we didn't previously like. So for myself, 
I don't really care much about art, especially paintings. But if I'm around someone who really knows art and paintings, maybe they can explain to me, you know, the, the type of brush, the type of stroke, the meaning of the colors, what the artist was trying to convey, and maybe even the, the historical and cultural significance of that painting. When for me, if I walk up on my own, I would just say, oh, that's a pretty painting, and then walk off and not really have much. But if I have someone who really knows that, then they could teach me and have a new appreciation and a new perspective on something uh, that I've never really experienced before. So we can, when we have people that are different from us, they can help us experience new good things, and we can share our experiences with others as well. So that's just, you know, it just multiplies our joy when when we're around people that, that have different perspectives. So along with this, it's just more fun to do things together. Of course, we can do things we enjoy by ourselves, but when we're around friends and family, we're, it's just so much easier to laugh, so much easier just when to just be joyful and to just encourage each other. So it's so much more fun to, to do things together. And this is true in the moment, but it's especially true when we look back at memories. I can't tell you how many times I've seen someone that I haven't seen in five or ten years. And what, when we start hanging out, all of a sudden we're telling stories and we're remembering things from the past. And we're laughing and we're thinking about all those good memories. And that's something that you just really don't do if you're by yourself. So this is just further proof that, that when it comes to memories, it's just so much better if you have people to share those memories that you enjoy together. So there's even a, a saying uh, that proves this even further, and that's, I guess you had to be there. So this, this, this phrase happens when two people are telling a story, especially about a good memory they had together, and they're trying to explain that story to a third person that wasn't there but that third person just isn't getting it. They're not understanding. They don't think it's interesting. They don't think it's funny. But then the saying is, well, I guess you had to be there. So this is just further confirmation that when we're together, when we're united, that it's that we just enjoy the moment and we have better memories uh, when, when we do these types of things together. So along with just enjoying life for our own benefit, we got to remember that our purpose of life is to fulfill the Great Commission and to share the message of Jesus with unbelievers. So this is especially true for this, that when we have good, healthy, biblical fellowship, this draws unbelievers into fellowship with us and with Christ. Yes, absolutely. We need to do evangelism and we need to do apologetics to explain things. But ultimately, most people are going to make their decision whether they follow Christ and whether they join the church based on the group of believers that they see. So if they see a group that's really enjoying life and having fun, they're going to want to be part of that. So when we just are filled with joy of the Holy Spirit, that's going to draw unbelievers to want to join us, to have fellowship with us, and ultimately to have fellowship with Christ. So even Jesus confirmed this in John 13, when he said, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So our love for each other, and of course our love for, uh, for God, and our love for life 
is what's going to draw people into the into the kingdom of God. The fourth aspect of fellowship I want to talk about is that this is pointing each other toward Christ. Of course, this is one of the, the ultimate purposes. If we're not pointing each other towards Christ, we're not having biblical fellowship. So there are three ways that we can have direct, intentional pointing towards Christ when it comes to fellowship. So first is encouragement. If we find someone who's doing something good, we need to compliment them. We need to tell them that they're doing well, and we need to just encourage them to keep doing that and to maybe even do more. So we need to encourage those around us. The opposite is also true. We need to correct those who are not doing what's right. If, if they're not living for Christ, if they're doing something that's against the Bible, we need to correct them. And, and of course, when we're in fellowship, the more people we have together, that means the more eyes to see when people are going off course. And of course, when we all have the Holy Spirit, this just helps us help guide all of us to see when one of our fellows isn't doing what's right. So we need to all come together to correct those who are going down the wrong path and help them get back to where they're supposed to be. And the third place is growth. So uh, if, if, if I learn something that's good, maybe I'm reading the Bible, watching a video, or doing something else, and I learn something about our faith that really helps me to grow, something I can put into practice in my life, that's a good thing. But if I can, it's even better if I can share that with those around me. So it wouldn't just be me who benefits, it's all of the people that I'm in fellowship with. If I'm able to share that with them so that they can put it into practice in their life as well, and even they can go to other groups and share with them as well. So of course you can have spiritual growth by yourself, but when we're all together and all sharing what we're learning and encouraging each other, that's how growth can just really uh, expand exponentially. So along, uh, I, there's, I love what the writer of Hebrews says about this. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. So some people are in the bad habit of not meeting together, but we need to come together to stir each other up in love and good works. That's the, the purpose. So those are the three things that we can do directly and intentionally to help point others to Christ. But there's another more passive, indirect way that's equally as important, and that's leading by example. The way we live our life should be an example to others how they should follow Christ as well. And of course, when you have a whole group of people who are leading by example and being good examples, when people join that group, they just have a tendency to do those same good habits and good behaviors. And even Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's just such, how many of us have the boldness to make that statement and say, I'm gonna follow Christ. I'm gonna do what's right. And I, so I challenge you to imitate me as I imitate Christ. Now, of course, none of us are ever going to be perfect. Jesus is the only perfect example 
But we, if we're doing mostly what we should, we can be a great example to those around us. And of course, even in our weaknesses, we, when we are open, when we're honest, and even when we make mistakes, when we apologize, say, I was wrong, and when we're able to correct our bad behavior, that can sometimes even be a better example than just being strong in an area where you just, you have no issues, no weakness. Sometimes correcting, correcting something that's wrong can be even better. So uh, I have a specific example of this that I want to share. So back when I was in my early 20s, I, I, was, I had a friend who, who when, when someone would uh, tell her a prayer request, she would stop right there in the moment and pray for what that person asked. And I just absolutely love this. And she even made it a priority to go around and ask people, is there anything that I can pray about for you? And even with, with especially with believers, but even non-believers, it's amazing how people would open up and how it would begin spiritual conversations and touch people's hearts that someone cared about them. And no, she. this is something that I've made a priority and put into practice in my life. And she didn't have to say, hey, this is what the Bible says. And this is what you should do. She didn't have to say that. I saw her example and it touched my heart and I saw how beneficial it was. So that's something that I've put into practice in my own life just because of the example of someone that I was having fellowship with. And so in, in an even more connected story, uh, within just the last week, I spoke to a woman I hadn't seen in a while and I asked her, is there anything that I can pray for you about? And she asked for prayers for her grandkids because they're not really living for Christ. She said she wanted them to see the importance of following Jesus and going to church. And so I asked her, well, are, are you going to church? And she said, no. And so I told her, how can you expect them to see the importance and to go to church if you're not doing it yourself? You need to lead by example and show them that it's important and even take them with you uh, for, for them to, if they're going to believe that it's important, then you have to show that it's important to you. So we need to lead by example in our lives and others will follow us as we follow Christ. So the fifth important part of fellowship is that fellowship leads to unity and unity leads to strength. So we, when we have fellowship, we're going to end up being united. And when we're united, it's going to be much more difficult for life circumstances or even spiritual uh, attacks from the enemy to, 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 to defeat us because we're united and we're strong. So one of the primary ways to unity is to, to just have that, again, fellowship, especially with people that, that we have differences of opinion. So we need to talk to someone who disagrees with you. I can't tell, tell you how many times I've, I've experienced someone who disagrees with me about something and I initially have a bad thought. They're wrong. How could they think that? But when I actually sit down and hear their heart, and hear their perspective, my, my, my heart is opened and I have empathy. And even if, I'm, even if my mind doesn't change about my own perspective, I at least have a better understanding of where they are coming from with what they're saying. So we need to make this a priority to find people, even especially within our, our Christian fellowship, that we have differences of opinion 
and really sit down and talk with them so that hopefully we can come to some point of compromise and maybe even agreement. But even if not that, maybe we can come uh, come to a place where we, where we just agree to disagree. Because learning to disagree peacefully is one of the strongest marks of maturity. If you can be peaceable and loving and kind, even with someone who has a difference of opinion from you, then, then that's just a great sign of maturity and that really helps with unity in the church. So along with this, uh, I just believe that in terms of unity, that we need to share our resources. That this might be, for some reason, some people view this as a controversial statement, but this should be the least controversial thing I ever say if you've actually read the New Testament. We need absolutely, we are called to share our time, to share our energy, to share our abilities, and yes, even to share uh, our finances. Um, so if you have plenty, share. And if you need help, don't be too proud to ask for help. How is anyone else supposed to know that you need help if you don't tell us, if you don't open and honest and let people know that you need help? So if, if, if the, you, cause you need to share because either that person maybe can, can at least pray for you. Maybe they can help directly or even if they can't help directly, maybe they can connect you to someone who has the ability to help you. Maybe with something around the house, with finances, advice. We we don't know how to help you unless you share with us what you need. So I love what Paul wrote to the Corinthians. May there be no division in the body, but care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Is that a verse that represents your church? I sure hope so. And uh, so even as we keep going, when it comes to unity leading to strength, Ecclesiastes says that though someone might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand them. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. When we are united, we are strong. And so, uh, I just also, Proverbs 27 says, as iron sharp, sharpens iron, one person sharpens another. So we need to come together to strengthen each other and just to have that, that unity that just makes it so hard um, for the enemy to defeat us. And so along with this, I love another analogy. It says that if, if you take one coal out of a fire, it will soon become cold. The same thing happens to us with when we don't have fellowship. So if you in, inside the fire, it's hot, it burns, it's just ignited. But then when you take that coal away, over time, it, it dies out and it becomes cold, just like the same temperature as the surrounding. The same thing happens with us. We When we're surrounded by other believers that are like-minded and have the same goals, man, the, 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 the Holy Spirit burns like a fire within us, and it's wonderful. And, and we, But if we go away and if we ignore fellowship, that fire almost all the time slowly dissipates, it dies, and then we become mostly just like the rest of the world. Now, of course, we need to, to, to go to, to work, to serve God and to do things, but this is just such a reminder that we need to come back very often as, as much as possible just to be around other believers and to just share that fire so that then we can go and spread it uh, as, as we go and do the things. So the, the final point I have about fellowship is that biblical fellowship must be intentional. This doesn't happen on accident. We must be intentional with everything. 
So you can spend hours in the same room with someone and have zero fellowship. Now, the way that we have biblical fellowship is to have more deep discussions, talk about more important things. So in general, we need to ask, if we want better comments, we need to ask better questions. So questions like, what have you learned this week? Are you reading the Bible? Are you reading a different Christian book? What have you learned that you can apply to your life? And how, how have you served God this week? How have you put into practice to help others some of the things that you've learned? And of course, the simplest question, just how can I pray for you? What are you going through? What important things are impacting your life? How can I help you? And how can I join you in prayer for what you're experiencing? Now, in terms of how we have these deeper conversations, you know, even we don't even have to be in person these days. With technology, you can send SMS, you can do uh, social media, phone calls calls. There are so many ways we can connect with people and really check in and see how they're doing and just, just encourage them in their life. And if you've never done anything like this before, um, I like to, to, to not necessarily have this as a checklist, but more as a general guide for, for just goals. When I go to church, like what I want to do, um, again, maybe this, this, this works for me, but maybe just this type of, uh, just looking at numbers and stuff doesn't really help you. But every time I go to church, my goal is to have three one minute conversations and one five minute conversation and one, and every week or two to really sit down with someone for 30 minutes or an hour and just really catch up with them and see what they're doing in their life. Again, those those numbers aren't really rigid. It's just sort of a general guide that we should be connecting with people. And of course, it's not the same people every week. Talk to new people, different people hear their stories, especially someone that you've never really uh, spoken to deeply before. So uh, along with, uh, so I just want to close by sharing with you guys what I feel is the best example from the entire Bible about, about fellowship, and that's the end of Acts chapter 2. So this is after the day of Pentecost when 3,000 new people had joined the church and the Bible describes how the church is growing and how they were all connected. I think this is the, the best example in scripture for fellowship and probably for quite a few other things, but let's just see what it has to say. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So again, this is just the wonderful example of uh, how they had everything together and how this fellowship led to so many more people coming to Christ. If you want to read more passages of scripture that talk about the importance of fellowship, read uh, 1 Samuel 18, Acts 20, and then Paul's letters to the Thessalonians, Timothy, and Titus. I'm obviously not going to read all of that today, but when you hear these words, it just talks, you can hear how important fellowship is to those different authors. So I just thank you uh, for listening. 
I pray that this uh, that this message encouraged you to see the importance of fellowship and to connect with others for for the biblical godly purposes. And so I just uh, I'd love to hear from you. Please let me know what you think. Write a message. Drop a comment. And uh, if you'd like to hear more about how to put your faith into practice, I hope you'll check out our other videos and like, follow, and subscribe to this page because we have a lot more to share. God bless.